Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 110 of Radio 815, the podcast dedicated to examining the work of writer-director, producer J.J. Abrams and his extended Bad Robot universe. I'm Matt Crandall, here as always with my co-host Marcelo Inostroza, as we continue our deep dive into Fringe Season 3. Today we are talking about episodes 18 and 19 of the third season of Fringe. Bloodline, episode 18, aired March 25th, 2011. It is written by Alison Shapker and Monica Owusu-Breen, directed by Dennis Smith, and it takes us to the parallel universe as we see some stuff is going on with Folivia. I was intrigued, but I was bored at the same time. I'm like, because we spent half the episode trying to figure out who kidnapped Olivia, right? After she got that diagnosis, according to the alternate universe over there, she may not survive childbirth. So I'm thinking these individuals that kidnapped her are trying to sort of fix the medical the medical condition that she is diagnosed with like her entire ordeal trying to escape these individuals who kidnapped her really were it kind of bored me and and it kind of intrigued me at the same time and i think it's because the whole time they were trying to figure out who kidnapped olivia and i thought that it was fairly apparent who did it like like even 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 back in the day i'm like guys it's obvious come on yeah, it it was it was obvious I thought partly because in Alias Sydney gets abducted and it turns out it's her mother trying to make sure that everything's going okay and lost Claire disappears and we think it's nefarious purposes and it's actually the others trying to ensure that everything with her pregnancy goes okay. So when Folivia gets taken, I know that these people whatever they are doing it is to accelerate the pregnancy and make sure that it actually goes good, not bad, which makes me immediately think this has to be Walternate's scheme. And because of the episode title, Bloodline, it makes me think that Walternate has come to this conclusion that if Peter is the only one who can operate the machine, if Peter has a son, would that son be able to power the machine? Because their blood may have the same thing, which is, of course, the last scene is where Walternate gets delivered the blood and they're like, yeah, we can run the test now. So it didn't seem like it was frustrating because the episode did play it like a mystery, like we weren't supposed to trust these people. And they were doing something horrific because she goes from being, you know, three months pregnant to full term in the course of this episode. And they do accelerate it in a terrifying way. And with her complications, we think that she may die. But I always knew, like, this is not a show where they're going to kill a baby off. This is not a show where Folivia, we can just be done with her and and kill her off in childbirth. Like, we've had too much investment that that would be too down a note to go on at this point of the season if it was the season finale then i would be like okay maybe we can bump off one of these characters but when we still have five episodes left i'm like no so it does lower the stakes as we're watching it but i think the thing that made me not bored was the fun that that part's all super serious but the fun of watching charlie and lincoln realize hey Something is up and they're trying to figure out where Liv is. And as they're investigating, they come across Henry, 
And when they're talking to him, they realize Olivia was swapped. And this is the first time that they're getting this confirmed. And there's like a, I told you so moment between them, which is great. And I love that. And we still have some fun stuff. Like when they first roll up on Henry in his cab and they're like, hands on the wheel, get out of the car. And he's like, what is it? And we look at the top of his cab and there is an advertisement for the West wing season 12, all new episodes, all new season. And I'm like, okay, West wing is still going strong on the other side. And then later they talk about you talking to me, you talking to me, Travis Bickle, you know, that Coppola classic. And I'm like, oh my gosh, in their universe, Coppola made taxi driver. This is nuts. So I think stuff like that kept me entertained and enjoying that. Well, all of the Folivia pregnancy stuff I was less invested in because I knew it was going to be okay. You mentioned that in this episode, finally, alternate Lincoln and alternate Charlie get a clue. So on that note, I did like that coming to fruition because uh, those of you who have been listening to earlier episodes that we've done this season, I was very, very upset that alternate Lincoln and alternate Charlie didn't pick up on the difference between our Olivia and their Olivia. So I'm really, really glad that this episode sort of let them ask the question and we saw them become curious because of the interactions during for Olivia's birth scene. Lincoln finally admits his feelings to Olivia. So I really, really appreciated that. The thing that I found really interesting and I really liked, it was really small, but I, I liked it. Um, I really like seeing the dynamic between for Olivia and her mother and to see how that dynamic, to see how that dynamic works. I found that to be endlessly fascinating. Yeah. And we also find out that because of this genetic predisposition, it is actually something that runs in the family because that is how Rachel died in this universe. So I thought that was interesting where they're worried that, you know, she will die if she brings this baby to term because there's a precedent that's part of her ongoing trauma as a family. So I thought that was, that was a nice thing. And I do like that Charlie and Lincoln have that heart to heart where Charlie's like, dude, you're in love with her. Just say it. And he finally kind of like comes around and admits it. And the fun of by the end, when they have put the pieces together and they realize you know, through what Henry was saying, that she was swapped. And then they take it further and they say, you know what? At that same time is where Broyles disappeared. And so if she came back and Broyles mysteriously disappeared, and this is all at the under the purview of Walternet, they're like, what is this guy actually up to that he's not being honest with our division that should know? Because we have the clearance so if he's willing to lie about this, what else is he lying about? What other things are? So this is where finally, you know, we've made us like these characters a lot more than we did initially. And now we're laying the groundwork for them to be on our side or certainly to stand in the way of destroying our universe. So we're giving them enough that that could happen. And also a fun throwaway moment. We do find out, I said, whatever episode it was, I said, what's wrong with Bug Girl? She seemed cute. Charlie should go for it. Well, he did. He went out with her and they had a great time. So I thought that was uh, kind of funny that Charlie goes out with Bug Girl. I love the fact that in this episode, you were advocating for Fo Olivia's survival. Because 
Uh, because out of the two of us, I think you hate Foy Olivia more than I do. So I'm like, I was I was really surprised that you wanted to like like you you actually wanted to save her. It surprised me as well. <laughs> I think partly because they have softened her a bit, and now that we find out more about her circumstance, family trauma, and all of that, it's to soften people like me who hate her against that. And in those scary moments where it looks like she's gonna die and she has to give birth in such a you know awkward way you know just the the way that her and henry interact as this all goes down makes us hope that she makes it through okay and then at the end when everything seems basically fine and you know her and lincoln have a nice moment as she almost dies and then doesn't die which is great and she does give birth to the son who she does name after our cab driver because he basically saved her life by being able to be there and help deliver this baby. I thought starts to endear us more to her. and makes me think that if the rest of team fringe on that side can start to see that Walter is not an influence for good. Maybe she can back them up because she knows that the other side is also not as bad as they seem because she fell in love with Peter over there. That, we can get these people to team up to stop the destruction of the universe. So I was happy that she didn't die. And I was surprised that I was happy. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's going to be really interesting. Once our side comes together with the alternate side and see the dynamics that that's going to bring. I mean, we, we know how our Olivia and alt Olivia are going to react, but we don't know how the rest of these characters are going to react. And there are some people on their side that are dead on our side. So it's going to it's going to be very very interesting. The second episode we're talking about today is episode 19, Lysergic Acid Diethylamide, which is the medical long long form of LSD. This is the episode where everybody gets high as balls to try and extricate William Bell from Olivia. It was written by the heavy hitters of Pinkner, Wyman, Goldsman, directed by Joe Chappelle. And Marcella, what are you thinking as they're trying to race against this ticking clock where we've got to get William Bell's consciousness out of Olivia's body? And of course, Walter says, I got the ultimate idea. Let's all drop acid. I was thinking this is some fucking inception bullshit. Uh, but with that being said, I really love how at the beginning of this episode, Peter is not really sure if William Bell is willing to sacrifice himself for Olivia because at first Walter and Belly try to move Belly's consciousness to a to a to a cadaver from a medical school. And when that doesn't work, Belly says, well, oh, fuck shit. We only have X amount of hours. And that's when, uh, you know, a couple moments later, uh, Warner then comes up with the idea of, you know, going into Olivia's mind, finding Olivia, and then moving Belly's consciousness into a computer. So I really like the fact that going in, I wasn't really sure about William Bell's intentions. And I, th- I, I thought that really added some much needed tension before they hopped in. Yeah, it really did. And especially because as this episode goes on, we realize that it is Olivia is unaware of what's happening. So it is like she is trapped 
away somewhere. So it's not like she can see everything and is conscious of, of what Belle is doing. It is like she is in a dungeon somewhere and, and not in her body, which is kind of scary. And what they do come up with is very Inception like. So this episode and this episode comes after Inception. So Inception had come out a year earlier. So it's I I wonder they probably could have come to this on their own because Inception was also taking from a lot of things. But to have this episode air a year after the movie Inception came out, it does definitely feel like this is some Chris Nolan bullshit we're on, but in a good way, because it is a fun, interesting episode when we go into Olivia's mind, you know, the the world of the dream, and we've got different levels, and we got to make sure that the consciousness gets over and that her ego comes out and all this stuff. So I like how complicated it seems, but then they go in and like being inside someone else's mind, it is really fucked up and weird. So they start to see some odd stuff like Olivia's stepfather. There is some creepy shit in her mind with a dude with a X marked shirt that comes about and ends up being the sort of stinger at the end of this episode as a big reveal. But I like that when they get in there and they have to find where Olivia is at, to try and make this work and they see the twin towers and they do some Morse code with someone and they think, Oh, it's going to be Olivia. And they get up there after like, there's some Nina, this version of Nina is trying to kill them and there's a, an elevator shaft and stuff. So I thought this, this was crazy. They get up there and it's William Bell. And he's like, well, I, I wanted to lure you here. And if I told you it was me, you might not have come. So I had to tell you it was Olivia. And that's the moment where I'm really like, I don't know, William Bell is scrambling at this point. The fact that he lured them there under false pretenses, I'm not really sure if he's going to be willing to hop out when they need him to, which made me worried. But ultimately, when we get to the the end, I, I was happy with where we got to. No, and that's the thing. Like, you know, you know, like I said in how you confirmed, not knowing Belly's true intentions is I think what adds what what adds the extra tension once they go into Olivia's mind and they do the inception stuff. Also, I thought this inception frame was a great way to deal with Olivia's with Olivia's uh uh personal issues about never feeling safe and about never feeling in control because of her abuse when she was a child and her abuse with uh, the the her abuse by Walter and Belly when she was a part of the Cortexa fan trials as a kid. Yeah, absolutely. Because that is the main through line that all of this trauma and where they're trying to find where Olivia is at they realized that it must be some place where she actually felt safe from all of this trauma. So we have to find, and they realize it, it's probably Jacksonville, but not, not where she was abused, not where she was experimented on, but somewhere in like her childhood home would be where her ego would sort of settle because that was where she had some happy times before the horrible stepfather before the trials. So I thought that was really interesting. And as they, the, the hook of this episode is of course that when they walk into 
Bell's office in the World Trade Center, they all become animated, <laughs> right? Which is unique and kind of cool, but also watching it now, like the animation is kind of crappy. <laughs> and part of me thinks like, I, I think that this is like something cool and fun they wanted to do. But also then, like when we're traveling by Zeppelin, I'm like, okay, well, we did it animated because we could never afford to do this in live action. So this is some sort of workaround. But the animation, it's stylized. It's a little bit Archer. It's a little bit video game. Um, what did you think of so much of this ending up being animated? I thought... The choice to make this Inception mission to go and get uh, Olivia's consciousness, the, the the choice to make it animated once they go into the World Trade Center and once they make it into Bell's office, I thought that that was an inspiring choice. And like you said, there's no way in fucking hell that they would have been able to do the scene on Zeppelin in live action. So the animation worked for that section of the story, but I did feel that the animation in some instances looked a little blocky and a little bit buggy to me, especially when uh, uh, when they were making their way to the Zeppelin and they were being attacked by zombies on the roof of the World Trade Center when Peter kicked that one guy and he was being backed into a fan, which for some reason I got, you know, Raiders of, of the Lost Ark vibes for some reason. The second Peter started walking into the fan and the way that he sort of just chucked that mother... That that zombie to the to the fan thing. So I thought the animation worked, but in some instances it did look a little dated and it did look a little blocky to me. And I'm sure this is an episode where if you were high when you were watching it, this is probably ten times more incredible. So I appreciate that they do that. And I do think we have some fun moments as this this is pretty heavy when we're in the Inception dream world. But we do see that Broyles accidentally gets high in the lab because he's helping Astrid clean up. And she's like, did you move some stuff? He's like, yeah. She's like, and those sugar cubes? And he's like, uh, and he's already tripping balls. And I thought that was really, really funny to see Broyles also high. Um, what we do learn is that unlike certain things that we've seen, like a Matrix where if you die in the matrix and you're not unplugged, you die in real life in this world. When you die in the, the dream world, um, you just wake up. So there is a moment when they're on the Zeppelin and the dude with the shirt attacks and Walter gets sucked out and then he wakes up in the real world. Um, so he gets pulled out early. So it's William and Peter on their mission to find Olivia. And when they do get to this, this place where Olivia is at, it is animated older Olivia. And I feel like this is put in here to kind of redeem Peter a little bit because what was the main thing that was a big building block of the, the trauma of our Olivia was that Peter couldn't tell by looking at faux Olivia that they weren't the same. And in Marionette, that dude says, I could see in the eyes that the girl that I brought back wasn't the same. And so in this, Peter gets to redeem himself by looking at this version of what looks like our Olivia. And he looks into her eyes and he's like, this isn't her. And then it is revealed that young Olivia, you know, shows up and she's the true Olivia. 
And it is Peter who realizes this by looking in the eyes of the fake one. What did you think as Peter does this eight episodes too late, too late for us? I absolutely fucking hated that. And you know why I hated that? Because in this episode, the emotional core between Olivia and Peter, it works. But here's the thing. It would have worked so much better if Olivia for eight episodes would have treated Peter like a piece of shit for not wrecking for, for, for not for not recognizing that. You know, for Olivia wasn't her. The payoff in this episode, when Peter notices once he finds uh, um, uh, Olivia's childhood home on the base and he walks in and he realizes that the grown-up version of Olivia isn't actual Olivia and he notices that the child version of Olivia is our Olivia, like you said. That payoff would have worked so much better if the writers wouldn't have wouldn't have had you know, Olivia and Peter go all lovey-dovey after one episode or two episodes. So I was very, very disappointed with the way that the writers handled that. That being said, that one moment when Peter goes, you're not, you're not my Olivia, that's my Olivia, still played well, but I'm like, God damn it, you guys could have knocked this out of a park if you guys would have shown some restraint. You're absolutely right, because if they had... The episode where they are lovey-dovey, and when we talked about it, I said, like, I felt like I had missed an episode because everything was finally fine. And that is the episode where at the very end, Olivia becomes William Bell. But it would have played so much better if at the start of that episode, things were still like the road to healing. They were on it, but they weren't at that lovey-dovey point. Have all of this William Bell stuff play out. Have this moment be a huge moment where Peter gets to redeem himself by looking in the eyes and realizing this is not her. Have that be the catalyst so that next episode we get all that lovey-dovey stuff from three episodes ago off the top and it makes more sense and it does feel earned and it brings us back into their relationship heading into the complications that are going to come up in these final episodes as the universe war really ramps up. But you're right. They, If they had been more restrained and put that on the back burner a little bit, this moment would have been much bigger. And then that lovey-dovey stuff would have fit in and it wouldn't make people say, did we miss an episode where they really reconciled and everything was was totally fine? So it is the odd misstep that it makes me wonder if Fox ask them to like rearrange some stuff to make episodes more exciting in the timeline or, or what happened? That's a really interesting question because, um, do you know of any Fox meddling like, like in previous seasons or, or, or were they mostly hands off or did they, or, or did or did the French writers room and not did, uh, did the French producers most notably J.H. Wyman. We'll get to him way later, but, like, do you think that they got notes on a daily basis or, or do you think that Fox sort of let them alone? It's tough to tell because the one thing we know is that Fringe handed in an episode that Fox just didn't even bother airing until that second season because they didn't think it was good enough. And there's a precedent with other shows where, like, famously, Fox aired Firefly out of order because they were like, we want it to be more exciting. So we're going to air one, three, four, two and 
that's something that Fox has done. So I don't, I just get the sense that maybe Fox is like, Hey, you know, this episode is going to air before you guys go on a, a couple week break. This is part of February sweeps. We need a bigger hook. So they bump up some of the events, but I don't have any proof for that. It's all just speculation, but Fox had been known to do stuff like that on some shows, but I've never heard specifically on this show, but you never know. What did you think about William Bell's final act in life, basically, of him being basically a sacrificial lamb to give our Olivia time to get out of her own head and come back to the world of the living? What did you think about that moment? It's, I feel conflicted about it because on the one hand, it's like William Bell did the right thing. He, he knew that he had to let Olivia come back to her body and take what was rightfully hers because he was never meant to be here. So it's like, yes, he, he tricked us into thinking that he was going to be able to, to switch into a computer, but he kind of always knew like the dog wouldn't hunt. So he was willing to make the sacrifice, but he didn't let Walter know that because he thought Walter might try and stop him, which is great. But also then I'm also like, well, Olivia didn't ask for any of this. This was all put upon her. So of course he has to just, if there's a ticking clock, he has to step aside. He can't take over this woman's body who was unaware of any of this going on because that would be, a a huge criminal violation that then I could never ever care about William Bell if he stuck around, but he had taken over Olivia's body permanently. Um, so it was, it was a choice that I felt was inevitable that he had to kind of just disappear into the ether unless they were going to make this computer swap work and then have like a talking computer be William Bell for the next couple of seasons. But I did like, when Olivia gives the message to Walter and he realizes what belly has done and the importance of it. So it did end up being a nice moment. Like, ah, he did the right thing. And it was too hard for him to say goodbye again to his friend by being honest. Um, so I enjoyed, I enjoyed that, but I thought it could have been maybe a, a better payoff somehow. Also because this whole arc was interrupted by us going to the other side for an episode, it really lowered the stakes a little bit in terms of the ticking clock and the intensity of like, we got to wrap this up. Whereas if it had been these three William Bell episodes back to back aired in like a, a block, I feel like without separating, it would have been a little bit more intense. Yeah. I, you know what? No lie. I was feeling that too, because you know, the first episode going to the other side, dealing with Olivia basically going to see her OBGYN in a nightmare fashion was cool, but this was way cooler, you know, minus the Inception stuff. I really find it hard to believe that Walter would sacrifice Olivia for Belly. Like, I know that Belly is his best friend. Belly, you know, gave him massive dynamic. Belly took out pieces of his brain because he asked him to. But I find it really hard to believe that our Walter would make that decision of choosing William Bell over our Olivia. Yeah, it would. If he had done that, it would be 
like a shock, a shock, especially because yes, him and William Bell have a long history and they have mended fences, but there was a, a big portion of this show where he was resentful of William Bell and Olivia and him have had nothing but a great relationship. So it, it would have rang false if he had really gone to the mat <laughs> to, to make sure that William Bell could stick around, even though William Bell may have more information that we would have been glad to have during the universe war. This was the, the right thing to do. And then after all this inception stuff and everything is back to normal. And we had that weird dude with the X marks, the spot t-shirt Peter says, Hey, who was that weirdo that kept trying to kill us in your mind? And Olivia's like, Oh, I don't know who that is. But uh, that's the guy who's going to kill me. And she just drops it like, uh, oh, that's just that's just that's just Fred. He's going to murder me one day. What did you think, Marcelo, as that's the, the stinger of this episode where she's just like, oh, yeah, him? I don't know, but he's going to kill me. You're going to find this really odd. But for some reason, when Olivia was was standing up against the counter and her toaster and her toast came up with that blue light, first of all, I said, I want that toaster with that blue light. But I found her reaction to be so awkward and so strange. And here's where the moment where you're going to think, I'm crazy. I, th- I, th- I thought it was like a Twin Peaks kind of moment. Like, because it was so odd that she would come out of this dream sort of daze and say something so off the cuff like that without thinking the consequences. So I'm thinking... Well, holy fuck, if Peter's not going if Peter doesn't die, is it possible that our Olivia's going to die or is like so it just felt like a really awkward moment that had unexplainable twin peak kind that had unexplainable twin peaks kind of vibes to me. Yeah, it definitely was when we're dealing with so much other stuff as we head into these final few episodes and we already were worried about Peter having to power this machine and if the other universe was able to pull Peter over. But now we're also worrying about our live because she is perfectly fine with knowing that there's some man out there who's going to attempt to kill her. So it was a very weird kind of David Lynchian moment and definitely sets the stage as we head into the back part of the season Next episode, we will be talking about season three, episode 20, 602 a.m. Eastern Standard Time and episode 21, The Last Sam Weiss, those leading up to episode 22, which is the finale. So we've got the home stretch that we're in right now. So that's the homework if you're watching along. If you guys have any questions, comments or concerns for us, you can reach out in a couple of ways. You can tweet on Twitter using the hashtag Radio815. You can add us at JJUniverse815. We do appreciate any comments. We'll read them on the show. We appreciate anybody who can follow, like, subscribe, rate. If you don't listen to us on podcast platforms, we are also on YouTube. The Radio815 YouTube channel has all of the audio files on there, if that's your thing. If you want to reach out to me, I am on Twitter at Matt Crandall. Marcelo, Twitter's a good spot to reach out to you. How can the folks do that? Uh, I'm at CreekFanatic88. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, Radio 815, over and out.
Radio 815 is a Balloonhead Productions presentation in association with Killer Newt Productions.